This is Lightning Power Lunch, Stanley Cup Playoffs Edition. You know, probably a big momentum swing early on. We had a couple power plays, obviously the five-minute one, and it was just, you know, some plays that, that were clicking the last, you know, stretch here of the season, just you know, hitting a stick, hitting a skate. But at the same time, they did a good job of executing on, on, on those PKs early, and they gained some momentum, and could have been a, a really different game if... If we had scored early on on that, so that was a missed opportunity for us. Exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. I think when you're used to getting on the power play and going to center ice after you've scored, <laughs> at some point I think maybe we thought it was a right that that was just going to happen again. And Toronto had other ideas, so give them credit first and foremost. Um, do we have better in us? Yes, uh, but I, I think that you know, in a game one, and would you love for all that power play time? Yes, but you know, when you don't do something with it, it's, it's it can be a game of momentum, and I think it's you know, clearly swung in their direction after that. Kyle Clifford basically said to the Tampa Bay Lightning through his actions boarding Ross Colton and the Lightning getting a five minute power play. He got a game of conduct. He was out. He basically said, look, Lightning, if you want to take game one, go right ahead because I'm going to help you out. And that didn't happen. It is power lunch on Lightning Power Play. We have a ton of things to get to today on the show. Of course, my partner is the radio voice of the Lightning. Dave Michigan. He had a front row seat with the Hall of Famer Phil Esposito. We're going to get Dave's thoughts and have some good hockey talk. Steve Ersnick's our producer. Steve's welcome to chime in as well at Bolts Radio, and we certainly want to hear from you. There were two things that stood out for me in this game, and let me make this very clear. That is one game. It stung. Nobody saw 5 nothing happening. And if the Lightning don't wake up after game one, this will be a short series. Now, I don't anticipate that happening. I am not going to panic just yet. I said, give me a couple of games, and if the Lightning continue to show some inconsistencies in their game, then I'll start to maybe sound the alarm. But there were a couple of things, partner, that stood out for me in this game. One, I just said, five-minute power play early on. That really could have set the tone and put the Maple Leafs on their heels and start to get that seed of doubt in their minds that, oh boy, here we go again. Lightning are coming. We gave them an opportunity on the power play. It's been humming. And boy, oh boy, we've got all this momentum before the game with the fans and we're ready to go get past the first round. And Kyle Clifford says, now, you know what? I'm, I'm going to board Ross Colton and, and I'm, I'm going to get the lightning a five minute power play. Let's see how that works out. Not only was it a disaster, but the Maple Leafs gained momentum from that power from that penalty kill because they had at least three odd man rushes on that power play. So that stood out, missed opportunity. But what really stood out for me in that game last night, and you guys hit on it, and I kept coming back to it, even when the Maple Leafs were scoring and, and playing really well, I never felt like the lightning and maybe sporadically, but I think that might be generous on my end. I never thought the Lightning got to a point where the intensity was at playoff level. That the Maple Leafs really, 
for a good portion of that game, it felt like a playoff game for them. I never got the sense that the Lightning got to that point last night. Now, partner, full kudos to Toronto, probably for making that happen. I expected more from an intensity perspective regarding the Lightning. I, I'm not going to tell you I, I, they were going to win, not after some wasted opportunities and the way the Maple Leafs came out. I just never thought the intensity was there for a playoff-like game, for a playoff game for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think that's what was so alarming and disappointing for me in that game. There are a lot of things we can break down, but those were two things that really stood out. Well, you're right. Uh, I think the five-minute major power play was the key to the game. Everything that we saw during that kill and after that kill was wrapped up in the kill. And maybe have a little bit of a perspective that I haven't heard as much because it wasn't long before the five-minute kill. But I'm going to give you kind of my, my finger on the pulse of what happened last night. And actually thinking about it, there aren't many positives for the Lightning other than the fact that it was one game and they get to start 0-0 tomorrow. But I'm going to give you a couple of things that maybe the Lightning can can build on from this game. And they're a little bit of a reach, but but I think on our show we'll, we'll try and paint at least a little bit of a positive picture moving forward. So... I actually felt the Leafs came out tentatively. I felt the Maple Leafs look like the team that we were kind of talking about. Are they going to feel pressure? Are they going to be not quite in sync? And if you remember, Greg, the first like five minutes of that game, basically the, the whole game was played in the Toronto end. I mean, the Leafs had, I think, two or three icings. The only look that they had at all was a Mikhail Sergachev muff where he tried to put it behind it and it hit off the side of the net and Marner stole it and he missed the net. Like Marner didn't even get a shot on net even though he was alone in front of Vasilevsky. Up until the Clifford Major, that to me was kind of the storyline. The Leafs had a pretty good kill on the first two-minute power play the Lightning had. It was good. It wasn't as, as great as their five-minute kill, which is why I felt the five-minute kill was the key to the game. So I'm going to start off by saying, like, I'm acknowledging your perspective that that the Leafs had a higher intensity level than the Lightning. And the Lightning didn't get to a high intensity level. But I think the way this game started, there was a bit of a, you know what it was? It was like a feeling out process, which sometimes you see in game one. And I don't feel that in those early minutes, the Leafs were taking it to the Lightning. Then we had the major, and a couple of things happened on the major. First of all, the Lightning lost the faceoff to start the major, and the Leafs got it down the ice. And what the Leafs did extremely well during the Lightning power play opportunities, not allowing the Lightning to re-enter the zone. Now, the Lightning kept trying to carry it in, and it wasn't working. The Leafs were stacking players at the defensive blue line. They were disrupting plays. And either the Lightning were losing the puck at the blue line or just inside the blue line they were losing. And that was almost worse. Because when they lost it, they got it in, but then immediately lost it. 
That allowed the Leafs to transition all, the, all those shorthanded odd man rushes. How are the Leafs getting shorthanded odd man rushes? They were getting shorthanded odd man rushes because the Lightning were having turnovers like five feet inside the offensive blue line as they were trying to get it in. So all their players are basically moving north and the puck is getting turned over and coming back the other way. Now the Lightning dodged some bullets during that kill in that they didn't allow a shorthanded goal, but that did a couple of things. First of all, it supercharged the Maple Leafs because like Phil talks about a long five on three, if you don't score on it, sometimes you lose the game. Often you lose the game. And the reason he feels that way, it's an opportunity squandered for the team that got the five on three, but also the team that killed it off. They get a huge confidence boost from that. And I think the Leafs doing as well as they did on that penalty kill shook off any kind of tentativeness from their game. They were able to get to their free-flowing rhythm game. They're like, man, we can skate. We can get chances. We're playing Leafs hockey. Let's go. And they were off and running. Whatever butterflies they had at the beginning of the game went away when they had that phenomenal five-minute kill. And then unfortunately for the Lightning, the opposite was also true in that I don't think the Lightning were like taking it to the Leafs in the early minutes, far from it. But that unsuccessful major power play, and Coop talked about this after the game a bit, I think it got the Lightning knocked off kilter. And Coop's like, you're not going to go five for five on the power play. And it's almost like the success the Lightning had over the last eight games of the regular season when they were clicking at basically 50% and they were scoring most times they were going out there, half the times they were going out there, 14 for 29. When they didn't score and it didn't go well, it completely got them out of their game. Now you can say, why is that happening? It's not acceptable. You're right if you're saying that. It's not acceptable, not in a playoff game. But I think momentum has a life of its own. And the momentum the Leafs gained from that five-minute kill and the momentum the Lightning didn't get and went against them in that five-minute kill set the tone for the rest of the game. And the Lightning never really got their game in order. And the Leafs did. So when you have one team that is playing with higher urgency at a faster pace, checking, winning puck battles, playing with structure, blocking shots, avoiding turnovers, and the other team isn't able to match that, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get tilted ice. You're going to get a blowout. And that's what we got. The Lightning, unlike the Leafs, were loose defensively. They had bad turnovers at key times. A couple of maybe bad bounces against them. I mean, I understand what you're saying about the the Matthews goal. Like, that's a weird play. The, the, the fifth goal I'm talking about, not the one he scored in the five on three. It's a weird goal where it was like dumped in. That was the one I think maybe is on Vasilevsky more than the others because he hesitated a little bit to go out and play the puck, and then he chose to play the puck, but he got out too late, couldn't get the puck, and then it's an open net for Matthews. If he just stays in the net, he at least is in a position to maybe make a save, or if he makes a quicker decision to go out and play the puck, maybe he stops it and it doesn't get to Matthews. That was a weird bounce, though, and and the camp shorthanded goal was a little bit of a bad bounce off Hedman, but... I mean, how many chances did the Leafs had have on the five on uh, the the five minute major kill, where they didn't get a goal? 
So I guess the law of averages, you know, even out. So the Leafs got some bounces, but they earned their bounces. They just outplayed the Lightning from the five-minute major through the end of the game. Dave, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I mean, look, we're, we're, we can, we're going to get into some of these situations in the game, and, and you actually just pointed out a few, and, and it makes a lot of sense. But it, it, it kind of goes back to the, the point I made. And maybe after the first five, ten minutes, maybe during the five-minute major where the Lightning were yeah, just I wasn't giving quibbling up on. With, no, I know you weren't. I'm just saying Yeah, I wasn't line, quibbling with your point. I'm just yeah, pointing yeah. out that nobody is saying, like, the beginning of the game, the Leafs were not rolling. They look like a team like, oh, my gosh, it's testing day. <laughs> We've been studying all year. We got our number two pencil. What's going to happen? Well, here's the other oh thing, Oh, my too. gosh, we got a five-minute kill. Hey, we crushed this. No, they didn't. Let's go, and boys. Right. And you're right. That's and, what happened. And looking back, that five-minute power play really could have set the tone. Because you know what? Chris Johnson had this tweet, and I, I jotted it down. Opening 12 minutes of the game with all of those power play minutes the Lightning had, Austin Matthews only had a minute 45 of ice time. Yeah, he doesn't play penalty kill. He does. I mean, you had a chance. You had a chance. And what what floored me was the amount of odd man rushes during that power play that the Lightning gave up. I mean, it's one thing maybe to give up one, Dave, and say, okay, you know what? Um, Marner got, got loose. Or somebody else got loose, Nylander mm -hmm. got loose, and they made a play. Uh, that happens. But Dave, at 12-18, Kerfoot hits the post on a two-on-one. 10-54, yeah. the Leafs had a three-on-one. At 10-33, Marner and Giordano, two-on-one. Yeah. And, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, what's happening here? Because now it becomes an execution situation. Mentally, you're not in the game. If you're giving up those odd man rushes, and again, I want to reinforce, it is one game, but I think if you're a player, a coach, you've got to come away with this game not only frustrated, but really ticked off. Because I think you let the Leafs off the hook early on in that game, to your point. Nothing was really happening until Clifford, by the way, maybe the dumbest penalty of the playoffs, and it's only one game. How do you make a play like that? and allow the defending Stanley Cup champs to possibly score at will with a man advantage. Mm -hmm. They let him off the hook. And if the Lightning don't come out in game two with a better, I don't want to say game plan, but a better focus mentally, the Leafs are going to be in the series to the end. And maybe we felt that way anyways, but certainly you're behind the eight ball if you're going to come out the way you did in game two, the way you did in game one. And let's hope that's not the case. My sense is that won't happen. I don't know if the Lightning are going to win game two. I think the focus will be a lot better. Hence, I think it'll be a lot closer. But my goodness, Dave. That, I, let's put it this way. There were a couple of different scenarios I could have seen being played out in game one. The Lightning losing 5 nothing and really not being as mentally sharp as I would have expected, was not one of them. And I am willing to give credit to the Maple Leafs for sure. I just didn't see too much pushback from the Lightning, which was a, no. little, which was a little disappointing, again, from a team over the last two years, Dave, that's had a lot of pushback when things haven't gone their way. Yeah, and I'm not trying to make excuses for the Lightning because I think the Lightning could have handled it better. But momentum is real. Like, momentum is a real, live, yeah. breathing thing. And the crowd there was spurring on their team. 
And the Leafs really fed off of that. Sheldon Keefe said afterward that the crowd was the number one star. He acknowledged that. So I think the Leafs got their biggest, like, supercharged momentum boost from the five-minute kill. There's no question. But there were other points after that that helped them build on that because the game the game got worse for the Lightning the farther along we went <laughs> where one nothing became two nothing became three nothing and then you know eventually four nothing in the second period and then it was it was even more downhill for the Lightning in terms of lopsided play against but i actually didn't mind how the Lightning were defending in the first period five on five and then they had two kills to get through after the major ended most of the chances the Leafs got in the first period were shorthanded during the major kill and actually one if we want to call it a positive and it's it's going to get completely buried here because it really didn't have an impact on the game but it's something to like let's put a pin in this and see how this kind of looks as we progress in the series and see if see if it stays at a pretty good level I actually liked the Lightning's penalty kill last night now the Leafs got chances five and six late in the third when it was game over but those two first period kills the Lightning got through were pretty important at the time it was zero zero the Leafs like I mentioned had a ton of momentum from their their major kill and then they got two power plays and they have the number one power play in the NHL and they really didn't do much on their power plays. And you're thinking, okay, it's still 0-0. It's late first. The Lightning got through those two kills. Maybe get to the locker room and regroup. And what happened? Muzzin scored. That was a big goal for Toronto. And that came off a D-zone turnover by the Lightning. But I don't know if that was a scoring chance. It was a little bit of a seeing-eye shot. And and Phil and Chief, I know you had said you thought it went straight in. Phil and Chief are are certain that nicked off a stick and changed directions. Vasilevsky was screened as well. So, look, the Leafs earned their break there because they forced a turnover, but it's a point shot through a screen that had eyes and went in. That was a huge goal for Toronto because it kind of put an exclamation point on we just had this great adversity-filled first period, and not only did we come out of it not behind, we came out of it with the lead. That was big. And the other, I thought, big play kind of shortly thereafter was when Matthew scored in the five-on-three. I'm not going to carve up the lightning penalty kill for allowing a five-on-three power play goal to Austin Matthews. But the problem the lightning had there was, first of all, it was not a good penalty taken by Ruda when you're already down a man. And the Lightning had done a fairly good job in the first minute of the first kill. I think that penalty on Ruda, it was just shy of a minute after Sergachev's cross-checking penalty, which was also born from a Yeah, that a was at 14.49, and then right. Leafs penalty at 13.53. So I want to say yeah. in the first minute before Ruda took his cross-checking minor, I mean, the Leafs didn't have much going on that power play. And then Ruta takes the the cross checking penalty, and it was a minute four or five on three times. So it was an right, extended. But, but it was an extended exactly. Time. So it was extended. But what happened was the Leafs won the face off. So we talk yes. about important yes. face offs. That yes. was a huge face off win. Yep. Tavares won it from Belmar, and and Matthew scores, and that's a great shot. I mean, look, 
beautiful. You're going to give those five guys, and they had five forwards out on the ice on that on that power play. That's a tall order. So, okay. I'm not going to carve the Lightning's penalty kill for allowing that one. And they did a fairly good job on the rest of the kills. But that was a big goal because now they got a multi-goal lead. And then right after that, the Lightning get another power play themselves. And we have the camp shorthanded goal. So now the Leafs are really like they can just put it on cruise control. Every light is green. They can just play their game. They got a three-goal lead. Lightning are pressing, not playing well, frustrated. Breakdowns. Marner's like, thank you very much. Four nothing. You can see how it went south even more. At well, don't forget too. The lightning. Right in between that, the one that made it three nothing. I mean, the Leafs were still committing awful penalties. Yeah. I mean, Ruta gets out of the box. He gets held. The Lightning go on the power play. You know, partner, I would have liked to have seen how Toronto would have reacted. How Stammer had Stammer been able to capitalize on the one timer. Right. Because that would have made it 3 1. I'm not telling you it Tampa Bay wins yeah. that game, but at least it may calm the Lightning down a little bit and, and back off Toronto just a tad. And, and look, they probably still win that game. I agree with you. That second period, I mean, it, it felt like there were a lot of highs and lows. You know, the Lightning are taking penalties, they're killing off a penalty. And then all of a sudden, the Leafs go on a five-on-three, to your point. It's a bad penalty by Ruta. They win the faceoff. Matthews on a bomb makes a 2 nothing. But then Ruta comes out of the box, gets mm-hmm. held, and then just a breakdown, takes a bad hop off Hedman. He dives for the puck, can't get there. Kaff makes a great play, 3 nothing. But right after that, at 9.46, again, an interference call on Toronto. The Lightning have... Their power play ready to go. Cooch to Stammer. How many times have we seen that connect? And probably 70% of the time, Stamkos hits the net and scores. And now it's 3-1. And everything that has happened before then, I don't want to say gets thrown away, but it's almost like, all right, let now here's the game. We're down by two. Let's dig in. And instead, he misses. And Marner gets a, a really nice goal late in the second to make it 4 nothing, And there you go. By the way, I think that was his first playoff goal, if I read that correctly, in 18 games. So he got a huge monkey Yeah, go back to 2019. Back. He, yeah, had a, he had a good right. game, though. So I, he no, was you're good. right. He was good. There were, there were definite momentum swings. The biggest one was the five-minute kill for Toronto. But there were other moments in the Correct. game that I think— Correct swung in Toronto's favor, which they earned. I'm not saying they didn't earn those those opportunities, but I think that that helped them build even more of an advantage in terms of like flow of play and what we were watching. Like the Leafs looked faster. Why did they look faster? Because they were playing on their toes. They had the wind at their back. They're making plays. They're like Brian Engblom often describes the lightning this way. When the lightning get into their groove they're like a flow team i think toronto has some similarities there when toronto's top guys are feeling it they look fast because they're moving the puck so quickly and accurately and efficiently and the lightning were not the lightning were out of their flow which i trace back in large part to their inability to do anything on the five minute major but then there were other points that helped toronto build on that momentum even more they got rewarded on the five on three they got a little bit of a break on the shorthanded breakaway but then camp finished it scored unlike Nylander 
in the closing seconds of the first, which I did say I thought the Lightning defended pretty well in the first outside of the shorthanded bids. Once it was one nothing, they actually had a good offensive zone shift, but then yeah. they gave up a breakaway in the final seconds to Nylander, and Vasilevsky made a big save there. He the one nothing at the time. That kind of has been swept under the rug because it didn't have a bearing on what happened in the game. But Camp was not denied. Camp scored another big momentum swing. So you mentioned that Stamkos opportunity. I, I'm inclined to agree with you that even if the Lightning score there, maybe they don't come back and win the game. But at least it, it gives Toronto pause. Because after the early adversity of the five-minute kill, Toronto didn't really have to deal with much adversity the rest of the way, where, where they were like, all right, here comes a push. Their penalty kill was excellent. They kind of kept the lightning at bay until they made it 3 nothing, and then Stamkos missed the open net. But here's one positive. I thought I gave you one positive already. I like the lightning's penalty kill, and if we're in a game that's, you know, not 3 4 nothing, and the Leafs get a power play, let's see if the lightning can maintain a pretty good level. Because I do think that special teams are going to continue to be a factor in the series. The other positive I will give you is the Lightning's fifth and final power play was by far the best of the bunch. Why was it the best of the bunch? They had four shots plus the Stamkos miss that probably 49 times out of 50 is in the net. What do they do better? What do they do differently? How are they able to have so much zone time? They dumped the puck in. They dumped the puck in and went and got it. They stopped trying to carry it in because it's not like they won the faceoff and had the puck in the offensive zone the entire power play. They made an adjustment, and as a result, they got more offensive zone time, and their power play looked way more dangerous. Now, are we going to like put a like stake bet on the fact that it's going to look exactly the same way the first power play they get in game two maybe not I mean Toronto knows what happened there they're like we gave up some chances on that last kill we maybe need to make an adjustment but I'm very curious to see how the lightning kind of respond and react and adjust in game two if they get a power play, I mean, we don't know how many power plays we're going to have moving forward in this series. We had a lot for both teams yesterday. But let's monitor that because the reason why the Leafs' penalty kill was so good, the main reason why, their ability to not let the Lightning get back into the offensive zone once they'd gotten it down the ice. And that was just a like a cycle on repeat in their first four kills. The fifth kill, though, that Toronto had, Lightning did get it in the offensive zone and had more zone time, and they had some looks. Sorelli missed on a rebound just wide of the net. That was another one that was not a shot on net. The Stamkos opportunity most times is in the net. So, look, I know it's not much, but I'm willing to to kind of say, all right, that was progress. Let's see how the Lightning look in game two with a couple of days to get ready here and understand how the Leafs are going to try and stand up their blue line and make it really hard on Point or Kucherov specifically, sometimes Hedman, to stick handle into the offensive zone and set it up. 
think it makes a lot of sense. We try to look for some positives in a game that was uh, not a very good one for the Tampa Bay Lightning. No doubt about that as they drop game one to Toronto. We're asking you the question on our show Twitter page. Please hit us up there at Bolts Radio. Does Tampa Bay bounce back in game two? We'll talk about that when we return. So much more. And do you think there are any lineup changes on Wednesday night? For game two. We'll talk about that when we return and uh, get those questions in. We'll take a break. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner from the Block Party, and it is playoff time, so we have to call in the man with the playoff experience. Braden Coburn joins us. Kobe just got to go to the White House with his former teammates. What did he steal from there out of the bathroom? We talk about that. Kobe talks about coaching his daughter's hockey team. And Kobe talks about the things he's picked up during retirement, like skiing. It's the Block Party with Braden Coburn out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. No doubt a lot of people upset. Understandably so. But have no fear. Power lunch is here. I am Greg <laughs> yes. Kelly, along with Dave Michigan. Well, and we, Steve I hope I hope, Greg, we are both fair and honest in our assessment. We don't sugarcoat. Yeah. But no. we also try and keep things in perspective and call it like we see it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think we've done that in the first segment, don't I, you? Yeah, I mean, listen, it wasn't a good game by Tampa Bay. I'm shocked we didn't see a better a better game. Mentally, I didn't think they were where they needed to be. And Toronto played really well. You know, partner, before we get to some questions and maybe any type of adjustments personnel-wise that we may or may not see in Game 2, you and I were asking this question, or maybe debating it, a couple of weeks before the playoffs began. And I don't know if you remember, but we were talking about kind of that how motivated the Lightning would be to three-peat and how that would be this burning desire, I'm paraphrasing, of course, to make them as hungry as if they were trying to get that first Stanley Cup with this core group of players. Again, paraphrasing, but you understand where I'm headed. Mm -hmm. We also did talk about, for teams like the Panthers, Carolina, and I think Toronto as well, the fact that they've had failures and haven't had that first Stanley Cup was also going to be something that carried them emotionally and was a carrot they were trying to get and would allow them to have this hunger inside them, this burning desire to get over that hump, just like we saw the Lightning a couple years ago coming off that series to Columbus. A real motivating factor. I think we saw that a little bit last night from Toronto. Again, yes. after the first five, ten minutes, to your point, it was a feeling out process. They gave the Lightning a wonderful opportunity. Didn't happen. And I think once that uh, was a failed opportunity by the Lightning, Toronto gained some momentum, and I think they really started to settle in. They played a really good game. But I will say this. I think that is one of those X factors that we're just going to have to see how, how it plays out. It's hard to quantify it. But no doubt, I think Toronto is dialed in, at least after game one. The Lightning need to get dialed in for game two. Uh, last thing for me on really game one, because there's not a ton to break down after what you and I discussed 
strategically in game one. Uh, Jack Campbell did not have to sweat much. No. They did not have to make him make a lot of tremendous game-changing saves, Dave. In fact, I can't really think of, of any shot or opportunities consistently where you said to yourself and you came away thinking, boy, Jack Campbell just was the difference there. That's a positive because, well, give credit to Toronto. They, they didn't really make their goaltender a story in that game, even though he got a shutout. I think everybody would come away from that game thinking Toronto played so well. Jack Campbell, even though he got a shutout, if you didn't name him one of your three stars, I, I, I don't know if I would quibble with that at all. I'm not saying you and Phil. I'm saying in general. So that's a positive for me. I don't think Jack Campbell was tested. He better be tested in game two. Make him beat you. That's still on the table for me. And I think that is still going to be an X factor in this series. I don't know what Jack Campbell can do. Because you know what? In game one, Dave, he didn't really have to be exceptional. I actually don't think he even had to be average. He really didn't. And that's a credit to the Maple Leafs. But I think there's a real opportunity there for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Dave, to at least be better and force Campbell into some uncomfortable situations in game two. I still think that's the cards. We'll see. If well, remember, I talked about this on yesterday's show that Vasilevsky may have an advantage over Campbell in terms of his history and his pedigree and his experience and all of that. But if scoring chances are two to one Toronto, that will level the playing field, so to speak. And I don't even think it was two to one Toronto. I'm not sure if the Lightning had one quote-unquote high-danger chance, which you know how I feel about those things getting processed through some stat machine, which I think you need to watch the game to be able to see it. And in fact, I think the the metric said that scoring chances were fairly even last night. I saw that. I'm like, what? That is not the case. Jack Campbell made all the saves he was asked to make. He looked steady in net. He looked solid in net. He made initial saves and often didn't allow rebounds, but the saves that he was asked to make were not high-quality saves, and that's a credit to the team in front of him. So the Lightning need to be better, and that's just one area in which they need to be better. They need to be better in terms of getting pucks and traffic to the net. The Leafs blocked, what, 25 shots last night? So they did a lot of that work for Campbell, not letting him have to make saves on pucks that got through. But the Lightning have to not only do a better job of getting pucks to the net, but also traffic to the net. His eyes were not taken away last night, which is one reason why there weren't a lot of rebound opportunities. That one that I mentioned, Sorelli and the power play in the second period, that last power play, there was traffic. Sorelli was standing at the top of the crease, and there was a rebound to be had there, but he just put it wide. And one reason why he put it wide the Leafs did box out really well. And and there was a defenseman there disrupting that second chance. So I agree with you that is one of many areas the Lightning will need to improve upon in game two. But I would put just as like high in the priority list how they are defending in their own zone. And that gets tied to puck management as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think that's You know, right. like, if you're going to say, all right, the Leafs are Ding up. We've heard that the Leafs have been better defensively this year. They're showing it in the series. 
we're going to have a hard time generating chances, then we need to limit their chances. We need somebody on Austin Matthews at all time. We cannot give this guy time and room to make plays, which is what happened in that regular season meeting at Amelie Arena when Matthews had a hat trick. You give him space, he is going to kill you. Kill you. The Lightning need to check him the way the Leafs are checking Kucherov and Point. That's their challenge. I'm mentioning him specifically, but it's not just yeah. him. You understand that. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You you mentioned Points, Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman. What are the chances four of those guys don't have some sort of impact in a game? And it 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 really happened on on game one. And I don't think that's going to happen for the rest of the series. It's like, you know, a, a lot of things had to go Toronto's way in game one to get off to the start they did. Credit to them for taking advantage of that opportunity. I just, the law of averages tell me the Lightning will be better, mainly because they have to. It's hard to keep that many players down and not playing particularly well, not only offensively, but defensively, to your point. Vassy makes a breakaway save at the end of the first period where the, the Lightning are trailing one nothing, and I was thinking to myself, all right, here we go. You know, that's a momentum booster there. Lightning come away, didn't play particularly well in that first period, especially on that five-minute power play. Vassy makes a big save on Nylander late in the first. That could have been disastrous. And they just, they were never able to get over that hump and build off of that save, which could have been game-changing in many ways. But I just have a hard time thinking those four players specifically aren't going to have a better showing in addition to their teammates for game two. Time will tell, Dave. Of course it will. But that's kind of the benefit of the doubt we give the Lightning, understanding how good they've been in the playoffs the last couple of years and we'll see if that plays out tomorrow night bob says no one better say they were mentally prepared for this game very poor showing in game one somebody needs to look for answers quickly my concern all along poor inconsistent effort and one more thing why in the heck is 14 on the power play unit he is showing nothing well he's on the power play too yeah and he has been on that unit Earlier in the year, he and Perry were both debt front. Now they have Maroon kind of at the top of the circle, which is how they have that that power play two unit set up. I don't know. I mean, they they have other options. They could have... I'm trying to remember. Because Colton and Palat are both on that unit. Yeah. You know what? You know what has happened. So Sorelli and Kalorn flip flop sometimes on the first unit, and if both guys have have played in the first unit, then sometimes neither one comes out in the second unit. But I think Sorelli earlier in the year it might have been Sorelli not on the first unit with Palat and Colton Perry and Sergachev. Correct. I'd have to go back and and look at that. But you know Sorelli sometimes plays in the first unit depending on where the faceoff is. So. They can make an adjustment if they feel they need to. I think the bigger adjustment on the power play, though, is how are they going to get the puck in with possession? Good point. And I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment they need to make from game one to game two, and that is why I pointed to that fifth power play as one when they were able to get it in, they had some looks. Yeah, and far be it for me to say, you know, once you get in, just start firing away because – Dave, as as simple as that may seem, that strategy, we also know the Lightning have been very successful doing things mm-hmm. their way. Now, maybe that 
maybe you have to adjust a bit more come playoff time because you just those shots necessarily aren't there because everybody's sacrificing and blocking. So maybe you have to look uh, for you know the the cross ice pass. But or... I think the opposite is true, Greg. I think the Leafs were zeroing in on those cross ice passes. Yeah, that's so fair. when the Lightning had that's it in fair. the offensive zone and they were trying to make those plays, they were getting disrupted. And when that happens, then yes, get more bomb away, than that. bomb away, yeah. bomb away. Yeah, and maybe and maybe that's what they do. Maybe that's what they do. Uh, maybe just simplify it if you can. Easier said than done. I feel like that's cliche to say. Simplify it, but we'll see how that plays out. Anthony says one game loss isn't the end of the world, but the worst part is that we didn't even start to play in the series yet. If team is playing you so tightly and passes don't go through. Why can't we adjust and st- skate closer to each other, support especially on the power play? Well, um, they were getting checked. I mean, that's uh, Toronto had like, something wh- to do with that. You yeah, know? like why did the Lightning not really do much in the offensive zone? The Leafs were digging in defensively. So I keep coming back to this point. If they're going to do that to you and ice is going to be hard to find, then you need to do that to them. Which is what usually happens in the playoffs, which is why we see more 2-1 games in the playoffs. And it comes down to a play made here or a play made there. Last night, let me put it to you this way, Greg. Had Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, and I don't know who else you want to throw in. Let's throw in Ross Colton on a shorthanded breakaway. If they had the kind of ice that the Leafs had last night, they would have scored some goals. I feel fairly confident saying that. I mean, Mitch Marner on his goal was so open in the slot. He had time to make a little deke move, get Vasilevsky to bite, and slide it in. We didn't see those looks for stamp ghosts or point. Lightning didn't get a five on three, but on their power plays... Like, they didn't have a guy open like Matthews was to bomb a one-timer. The Lightning need to remove that from the Toronto equation. If Matthews is going to score, make him earn every inch of ice, which is what the Leafs did to the Lightning top guys. So, I guess the question was asked, like, well, what do you do to break that down? You dig in, too. It, it becomes about determination, winning puck battles, getting to the net, and and simply willing it more than your opponent. And that might mean an ugly goal. That's playoff hockey. Delaney didn't meet the challenge of that last night. But again, last night's template, if, if we're going to see that for the next three games, the Lightning are going to get swept. Okay? Correct. Correct. <laughs> let's, let's state that up front. But I think last night's template was tied to some key momentum swings within the game. So going back to Bob's comment, like, you know, not being mentally ready. I think that when you're feeling like a gale force wind blowing in your face, like, it can be tough. And that was a factor last night. And the Leafs had that gale force wind blowing at their back propelling them forward tomorrow is going to be a completely different game at least the lightning hope it's going to be a completely different game now what i would like to see the lightning handle better than what they handled in game one is if something doesn't go your way find a way to push back 
and grab momentum back, which they were not able to do. I'm not sure they ever had momentum, but they weren't able to take it away from the Leafs. But, I mean, we're going to see if some key plays in tomorrow's game go against Toronto, how the Leafs handle that. They met the challenge of the penalty kill splendidly, and that is why I said it was the key to the game. But they weren't really dealing with much adversity after that, and that includes Campbell. So it's on the Lightning to try and make Toronto uncomfortable. Whether it's tomorrow or moving forward into Game 3. But some of what I'm saying is, like, pass is not prologue. What happened in Game 1 isn't necessarily what's going to happen in Game 2. But also, the fact that the Lightning have gone the last two postseasons without having lost consecutive games, that doesn't mean that they're automatically going to win tomorrow either. Correct. You have to you have to make your own script each and every game. So to me, it starts for the Lightning D'ing up. We're giving the Leafs nothing tomorrow. If whatever they get, they're going to have to earn through hard work, determination, sweat. No Christmas presents. No open looks in the slot. Matthews has somebody in his back pocket every time he's out on the ice. Because you have to expect that's what the Leafs are going to continue to try and do to Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, etc. You give them nothing. Well, that's... What movie is that from? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were saying that. You in, give in, them in, nothing. I'm getting but, fired but up. That's why that's why we've been talking about team defense yeah, so much. No, I agree. Like that is that is what playoff hockey is all about. And the Leafs have learned that lesson. They did show something last night. They deed up. That's why Jack Campbell had a routine twenty four save shutout in game one of the playoffs. I thought John Cooper he said afterward, I'm not sure the Leafs had to play all that well. To beat us, I, I was somewhat convinced in the second intermission. I was saying to the guys during the intermission, like, we're going to hear from John Cooper. I'm not sure the Leafs had to take a shower after this game. Like, they really didn't have to work. They worked defensively, but they didn't have to work so hard to kind they of were, dictate action. They were never and that put, has to change. They were never really put in a stressful position last night. After the early kill. Correct. And yeah. I think that was the part. Toronto earned that win, but you want to make them earn it a little bit more, I think, if that's how things are going to play out here. Do we think we're going to see a lineup adjustment or 11-7? and seven That's a good question. Tomorrow night. Because I'll be pretty frank. I'm inclined to go that route. At least I was before the playoffs, if John Cooper chose to do it. Because I thought the Lightning played some of their better hockey <laughs> mm-hmm. when they went 11-7 and seven towards the end of the season. Now, I, I don't know if that's because it was just the opponents they were playing, if that was just circumstance. Whatever it was, to me, it stood out over the last couple of weeks of the regular season that when the Lightning went 11-7, and seven, and that was out of necessity, too. I think they were trying to rest some guys, but... The result of that was I, I thought you you were giving the other team some different looks. You were yeah. moving Kucherov and Stamkos around. I actually really liked what I saw 11-7. and seven. And I think also, too, the defensemen you had on this team, 
they were allowing you to do something like that. Bogosian and Foot, you know, I, I think we saw Foot get his first taste of the playoffs in his career last night. Bogosian, I think, certainly has made a case that, you know, he can be in the top six when called upon. Partner, I will say this, though. I'm not opposed to going 11-7, and seven, particularly after what we saw in game one. I don't know if John Cooper chooses to do that. I think, one, you've got to figure out which forward you're going to sit. Mm-hmm. But two... Assuming everyone's healthy. And that's I mean, we don't my know. question. And the that's thing, my Ruda, question. Ruda left with a cut on his forehead. I mean, he seemed to be okay. but I think he plays. But that that's, you know, we'll find out. Again, I can't help. And it, look, I know John Cooper was mixing and matching. But at least to start, the, the thinking there was with some of those line combinations was Sorelli and Point on the same line with Point. Now, look, he did take draws last yeah. night. I don't know how healthy Braden Point is, if that's what, what I'm reading into this, for Sorelli being on a, on the same line as Point, but Sorelli being his centerman at times, that if you go 11-7, and seven, it does leave you a little more vulnerable, particularly at the forward position, if somebody does get hurt. I don't know well, what the health yeah, situation is sorry. of a guy like Point, who has been banged up, if you want to take that risk on. I don't know. Let's put it this way. I would not be opposed going 11 and 7. But do I think they're going to do it? If let's put it this way, if they have the same effort in game 2 that they had in game 1, I think you could see some some changes in game 3. I don't know if John Cooper's going to do it in game 2. I could see it actually. John Cooper's not one to sit back and wait for something to happen. He is very proactive, and he actually did switch up the lines last night. That's what I was yeah. I was starting to say when I interrupted you. I'm sorry about that. But, right. you know, Point got moved on to the line with Sorelli and Hegel at the start of the game. And while the lines were mixed up a little bit, we had all the special teams, and then we had the players thrown out of the game in the third period. So it was a little bit of a, a jumbled mess <laughs> with the lines. What I could see was, like, once the game got going and things were not going the Lightning's way, he moved Kalorn back with Sorelli. So it was Kalorn, Sorelli, and Point, and Hagel went onto that line with Paul and Colton, which they had been a line earlier in the regular season. So John Cooper didn't wait to mix up the line combinations. And if he feels that 11 and seven makes more sense for him because he can get, whether it's Stamkos or Kucherov or Kalorn or Sorelli or point, if point is able to, to play more and there isn't an injury concern with him, you are throwing different looks at Toronto in terms of their interest in matching. And by the way, you were right, and I was wrong. At least at the start of the game, Sheldon Keefe went with a Matthews matchup against Stampkos. I think he likes that matchup. And I, I told you, right. I think Matthews is a really good defensive forward, and I think strength on strength, you sometimes see coaches do that. And I think that sends a message, too, to your team that, like, go ahead, take yeah. on their big boys. I don't think they're going to shy away from that. Nor should the Lightning, by the way. But... The um, Marner goal, though, with Matthews and Kerfoot, who I really liked on that line last yeah, he night, good. he slotted in well for Bunting, who missed, yeah. I think, the last game maybe, or the last two games of the regular season with an injury and is expected back at some point in the series. But the Lightning had a matchup where Belmar's line was out. Belmar's line was out against the Matthews line when Marner scored. 
Correct. I don't remember. I think the Lightning might have even been going through a line change on Matthew's second goal because that was yeah. a dump in. They were going through a line change. Andre Kasha dumped it in. He got an assist on it, dumped it in, went to the bench, and was sitting on the bench when Matthew scored. So that was just a weird combination. Um, so we'll see if we'll see if the Lightning keeps Stamp, goes Kucherov and Palat together. There was a shift or two where Point was with those guys, meaning it was Point, Stamp, goes and Kuch in the third period. But if it's it's still going to be a line of Stamp goes Kucherov and Plot. See if Sheldon Keefe keeps that Matthews line out against them. And what happens? Well, and here's the thing. It was a weird partner. game because of all the special teams, though. There wasn't really a lot of five-on-five five play until the game was was out of reach. If they go 11-7, and seven, who do they sit? I think that's an interesting question. Yeah. Too, because, you know, when we were seeing the 11-7, and seven, it was because they were resting a a forward who, you know, was probably healthy, but maybe a little banged up. Playoffs right. are using everybody available. Point so and Sorelli were the two that Right. It's that it, To me, it's going to come from the fourth line. It's going to come from the fourth line. And people can can reason who that would be. Do I think John Cooper is going to do it? I, I hedge and say probably not, but I, I you make a valid point. John Cooper's shown, listen, if it's not working, he'll make some changes. Well, look, and if you're worried about sitting a guy who hasn't really sat much you know it's the playoffs i agree the leafs sat jason spezza yeah that that was surprising i mean you might say jason spezza sat before but i think that was under babcock wasn't it like sheldon keith has used spezza pretty regularly this year he's been uh he's been used on the power play he's a terrific face-off guy and they opted to go with with i mean i would say they opted to go with kyle clifford instead now, do the Leafs make a lineup change? They got through that Clifford penalty, but and Clifford might be suspended too. He has a phone hearing, as I they understand. May, yeah, they may ha- they may not have a choice. They may not have a choice, but you if know. they do have a choice, what message does Sheldon Keith send if he sends Clifford right back out yeah, there? I don't. Well, I mean, look, and we don't see Jason Spezza on a on a routine basis, on a regular basis. He's he was a hell of a player. He does have a fire in that belly to win a cup. Yeah. Would he give you more valuable minutes than what Kyle Clifford potentially can bring on his best? Well, he's not going to be as physical as Kyle Clifford. Right. But as a smart guy. Yeah. You know, is. is Well, when Bunting Bunting comes back too, that's that's going to force somebody to to come out as well. No doubt. So we'll see. I mean, the Toronto side is less pertinent, I think, to Lightning fans about what their lineup is going to look like. Who cares about that? You also have, and I do think this is unlikely. Yeah. But you also have Riley Nash as an option, which I think he would go in as a fourth line guy to take faceoffs. And that could be your twelve and six if you don't choose to go eleven and seven, but you want to make a lineup change. Right. You could And just for Nash. the record, yeah. I don't think Belmar would be coming out of the lineup because I don't think he so. has he has too important of a role in terms of penalty killing and he's one of their regular faceoff guys. And I don't think Perry comes out either. So you think it could be maroon I if they go with eleven and seven? I do. Yeah, that's just my opinion. And I get I get paid the big bucks to give you that opinion. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Nick says it seemed uh, before we sign off like we were off from the start. I don't know. Emotionally, we were not in it. Definitely won't be surprised if we shake things up with who is in the lineup for game two. But it is just one game, so let's calm down and breathe. Well, it is just one game. But I think how it unfolded was alarming to a lot of Lightning fans. And we'll see if they have pushback. 
tomorrow. Usually, not always, usually in a playoff series, the team that loses game one has pushback in game two. They don't always win it. Otherwise, no series would ever be 2-0, right? But think back to recent Lightning playoff series. Lightning had a fairly convincing win against Montreal in game one of the Stanley Cup final. Yep. And Montreal controlled a lot of game two. They didn't win it. Lightning made some plays, but that was pushed back from Montreal. The previous series, the Islanders won game one last year, I'm talking about, and the Lightning had pushed back and won game two. Remember in 2020, the Lightning blew. This is probably a better example. Now, the Islanders, I think, had a more legitimate excuse for getting blown out in game one of the 2020 Eastern Conference Final than the Lightning did last night in that the Islanders had just been through a grueling seven-game series and got to Edmonton after the Lightning and basically had to play right away, and they looked spent emotionally and were flat, and the Lightning rolled right over them. What did they win that first game? Like 8-2. to two. You're right. Yeah. But remember, in game two, it was way closer. Like, the Islanders played so much better in game two, and that was the game in which Kucherov scored in the final few seconds of the third, and the Lightning kind of pulled one out there a little bit, the rabbit out of the hat, because they had a lot of, they had a five-minute kill in that game. That was the game where Point got hurt. I think Kalorn was thrown out of the game because he took a major. Just like everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Lightning, with the exception of the fact that they won the game. But that's what you usually see. And so we'll see if the Lightning were able to have some pushback tomorrow. And if they can get the win, then yes, Nick's was it Nick who commented just one game? Then right. nobody is going to care that they lost game one. If they win tomorrow, they will have gotten a split. And coming home for game three, which is no guarantee because you're at home, Leafs are, are a really good team and a really good road team, and they've beaten the Lightning at Amelie Arena this year. But if the Lightning win game two and it's 1-1, no one's going to care what happened in game one. Good point. But it's up to the Lightning to write that next narrative. It's up to them now to counterpunch. They got punched. Now it's their turn to punch back. And if they can't punch back, they're going to be in trouble. Then if you can't punch back, you got to start kicking. <laughs> you yeah. gotta, you gotta. I mean, you, gotta you don't do like my again. analogies. Today, no, I love do it. You? I love it. No, I love the analogies. I think they got to do everything they can to get a split here, and I think they've got to look at game two as you know, must wins, hyperbolic probably. But the way the Leafs came out in game one, they're ready. They're ready, and the Lightning you would think are going to match that intensity and more in game two. Lineup changes or not, that group in there has got to be ready to go from the start. I anticipate they will. Time will tell, and we'll talk about it the day after, but we've got the game tomorrow. And then of course our show noon to one as well. Partner. Great job as always. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. We'll talk tomorrow. Yep. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. Keep those tweets coming in at bolts radio. I'm Greg Linnelli. It's power lunch on lighting power play.